Chapter Twenty Six of Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study by Charles Edward Jefferson. Chapter Twenty Six: Unconscious Decay. It is the nature of many of the most vital and transforming of the spiritual processes to take place below the reach of consciousness. A man growing better does not measure the stages of his progress nor does a man becoming worse realize the headway of his descent. There are things which are hidden from the vision of both saints and sinners. Their eyes are holden, so they cannot see them. Thus Moses, after his long communion with the Eternal, came down from the mountain with a glory on his face, but Moses wist not that his face shone. What was evident to others was concealed from him. Likewise Samson, after the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him, wist not that the Lord was departed. This awful fact did not break upon him until, by the failure of doing things which formerly he had done with ease, he found himself impotent and humiliated in the presence of his foes. The processes of life and death run on today, held in the grip of laws established at the beginning, and many a Moses illumines his people with a glory of which he himself does not dream while many a Samson, with great deeds behind him, still marches boldly against the Philistines, not realizing that the Spirit of the Lord goes with him no more. It is for this reason that many of the professional apostles of the so-called higher life do not win the confidence of the discerning. They talk too much. The man who says, Look at me, see how my face shines, closes our ears to his argument for holiness by the impudence of his vainglorious invitation. Self-consciousness and lofty spiritual attainments do not go together. Men who live nearest to the heart of God do not prate of their visions nor boast of the light in their face. We cannot fail to be suspicious likewise of the Samsons who lose the power of conquering, but in their weakness go on boasting, as if they were still able to carry off the gates of Gaza. Because a man is once a preacher, it does not follow that he is always a preacher. A man may lose his heavenly credentials, although he continues to write reverend in front of his name. The descent to Sheol is easy, and for the minister, as for all mortals, the way is always open. It is not closed on Sundays, and no broader entrance opens into it than from the pulpit platform. It is the truth, even as Father John has written it, our old man is constantly present with us, tempting us, snaring us, corrupting us, destroying us. The deterioration of spiritual life in men ordained to preach the gospel is one of the saddest of all the mysteries of sin. Like Judas, men for a while cast out devils, and then fall by a devil themselves. Always some one besetting sin lies at the root of the tragedy. The wages of sin is death in all circumstances and generations. Ministers escape exposure longer than most men because their sins are in general sins of the spirit rather than of the flesh, and hence bring only spiritual retribution. They who sow to the flesh reap corruption, gluttony and drunkenness and licentiousness. These sins are evident going before to judgment, but these are not the sins which entrap and slay the leaders of the church. Ministers, with rare exceptions, fall by the hands of enemies no less fatal, but far more insidious and respectable. 
pride, selfishness, envy, covetousness, laziness, ambition, these and a host of others. The sinner is not exposed to sudden and spectacular ruin. He dies piecemeal. Unconscious of the progress of the processes of moral disintegration, he suffers as the paralytic suffers by a progressive loss of sensibility and power. Who does not know ministers of the gospel, who once were favored and mighty men, and of whom the world now says, How the mighty have fallen! They are still in the pulpit, but their usefulness has ended. Their sermons are sounding brass, and worse. Their prayers are useless as the prayers of the priests of Baal. What they say has no influence on their congregation, for their voice has lost the subtle and commanding accent of spiritual veracity. When one comes to know these men in the privacy of their own personal life, the cause of the decay of spiritual power becomes clear. They are ministers, but they are not good men. They are petty, or niggardly, or stingy, or lazy, or censorious, or pretentious, or pessimistic, or sour. The light and joy have gone out of their own soul, and therefore power has gone out of their preaching. Their failure in the pulpit is to them a mystery, but it is not a mystery to anyone who knows them and understands the conditions of spiritual power. The dead line, then, is a terrible reality which ministers of all ages need fear and shun. Some men die earlier, others die later. The date is determined by the rate of progress of their sin. Only a man genuinely good can be a minister of power to the end of the day. All others are sooner or later overtaken and overwhelmed. Nothing is more tragic than the spectacle of a minister who began his career with men eager to hear him, preaching at last to a world unresponsive to his message. The world to such a man is an insoluble enigma. Why he should fail while other men succeed is a tormenting problem. He compares himself with his successful brethren, and in no wit does he seem to fall behind the chief of them. He has gone through college, and completed a seminary course, and read shelves of books, and studied elocution under a dozen teachers, and therefore why should he not succeed? He frames his diplomas, and reads over his ordination papers. These are regular and valid, and therefore wide doors of usefulness ought to open. He compares his sermons with those of men to whom the world seems glad to listen, and in illustrations, ideas, rhetorical finish, logical force, homiletical art, his sermons are fully equal and in many points superior to all. He picks up the name of a favored preacher and says, Why should his name be sounded more than mine? Speak them. Mine doth become the mouth as well. Weigh them. Mine is as heavy. Now in the name of all the gods at once, upon what meat doth this our Chrysostom feed that he is grown so great? Poor man, he has left out of consideration the one thing essential, the Spirit of God. It is not by rhetorical might nor by logical power, but by the breath of the Spirit that congregations are swayed and the gates of the kingdom thrown open. And this only a good man can have. Sermons are like salt. They have a color, and texture, and weight, but all these are as nothing unless there goes along with them a savor. If the sermons have lost their savor, no matter what may be their rhetoric, or logic, or thought, they are good for nothing but to be trodden under the foot of men. For ministers, then, as well as for laymen, 
the words of the Hebrew preacher have abiding significance. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. End of chapter 26 An end of quiet hints to growing preachers in my study Recorded by Marianne Spiegel in Chicago, Illinois, February 6, 2010 Thank you to Mom of Three Chihuahuas for proofing the audio files, and to Kilted Dragon for emceeing this project for LibriVox. For more information, or to join us in volunteering, please visit LibriVox, L-I-B-R-I-V-O-X dot org.